Hello, Internet, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cavern Corner Podcast. We're your geek slash nerd discussion podcast, where normally we take one topic from TV, movie, video game, book, whatever we're uh, talking about the day, and we better on until we get bored. I'm, as always, your host, Patrick, with me is my co host, Jared. Say hi, Jared. Today, I'm Eula Jared. And uh, <laughs> joining us, it's bad, Jared. Bad. <laughs> and joining us, uh, from uh, the Big Battle Barracks uh, Twitch channel slash Facebook uh, page is our pro wrestling correspondent, uh, Corey. Say hi, Corey. Hello, Internet, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Big Battle Barracks. Big Battle Barracks. Do more. Uh, yeah, where, where, the, where the big boys play. Yeah, where the big boys play. Uh, I would like to say that you're a bunch of monsters bringing me here to do this uh, eulogy episode because I, I've had a streak of funny introductions utilizing the theme of the episode with characters from the, from uh, I was about to say the Big Battle Barracks, uh, characters from the Cavern Corner podcast to go ahead and uh, create uh, uh, a bigger narrative for the show. And now that is broken because uh, you can't do that with this topic. No, it would be very difficult. Uh, it would require a uh, level of soullessness and creativity that we don't have in combination. Yeah, Eula Jared would have been very disappointed with you. Um, but <laughs> uh, terrible. Today we are going. This is. Uh, um, we'll try. We'll try and uh, bring some you know levity into it. Um, but this is in addition to being a very nostalgic episode. This is going to be a uh, somewhat uh, somber episode because we're going to be talking about a lot of dead people. Um, this week, uh, there were, um, a, you know, two noteworthy, uh, deaths within the pro wrestling, uh, world, that being, uh, Bray Wyatt and, uh, Terry Funk. Um, and, uh, combine that with, you know, other, some other, uh, noteworthy deaths within the geeky sphere, you know, primarily being, uh, Arlene Sorkin, uh, the voice actress for Holly Quinn. Um, because, you know, as I've stated many times, uh, in this, in, over the course of this podcast, uh, I am about 50% Batman, 50% Star Wars, 50% other stuff. 100% um, pleasure and 100% <laughs> pain and 100% <laughs> reason to remember the name. Uh, exactly. <laughs> that, 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 that joke came from somebody that's not even a Lincoln Park fan. <laughs> Yeah, but before you couldn't escape. Uh, remember the name? Yeah, so like in like the mid two thousands. Come on. When, it, when I remember it, it was a uh, it was performed at, for the commercial for the NBA final, and I was like, okay, we've just we've gone too we've, far now. We've hit we've hit full saturation. Yeah. Um, but getting back to the subject today is so we're going to be talking about a lot of uh, our you know of our favorite pro wrestlers or names within the pro wrestling world uh, who are not with us anymore. Um, as kind of, you know, uh, a bit of tribute. Um, and you might be wondering, you guys talk about, you know, freaking movies and comics and books and shit all the time. Why are you talking about pro wrestling? Um, for, well, I can't speak for Jared. For me, like, from the 90, from most of the 90s into the aughts and the early teens, I was a pro wrestling fan. I was watching, you know, WCW or WWF, later WWE, you know, multiple times a week, you know, uh, every every chance I got. Not to mention their recap, their shitty recap episodes on Saturday and Sunday. Oh, Velocity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved Velocity. Or Saturday Night Main Event, where nothing important will ever happen. 
what what happened? It was on a. Uh, it was on like, ah shit, uh, the USA Channel. What they play it like uh, at like ten o'clock or eleven o'clock at night? Uh, Sunday night. Sunday night heat. No, it was, it, it was, it was on a, Saturday. It was, a, it was a WCW was it show. Velocity? It, was on, it was on USA. Was it, it was Velocity? Because Velocity USA. also showed up on uh, UPN. It may have been Velocity. Okay. Uh, Sunday Night Heat has the um, has the record of one of the greatest matches of all time, the empty arena fight, also known as any TNA match ever. Yeah. <laughs> I say that as a fan of Impact. But like, but in addition to just being formative of my youth. Pro wrestling is also kind of how I learned the mechanics of storytelling, like you know what it what it meant what it meant as as a villain's place within a storyline and why they were necessary, um, you know what it meant the importance of them building heat and giving you a reason to not like them, um, having those having those hope spots for your hero to show to show off and you know make make you believe in them and how to pay off a long-running storyline for good or for bad. Uh, so, as the resident uh, professional wrestling expert, um, one of the things that people don't understand as well is a lot of people in the anime community will kind of bat back. They'll be like, hey, why are you going to do a wrestling panel at this anime convention? Uh, vice versa for various other things. But wrestling gets a pretty big rap, like you said. You know, People are like, oh, that's kind of out of left field. One of the things about wrestling, and I did a whole panel on this, so I'll just give you the five-minute version, condensed down to a minute. Yeah. One of the things about wrestling that a lot of people don't understand is that a lot of anime, video games, and a lot of our television that we watch was influenced by professional wrestling to the fact that anime was sort of created by big fans of wrestling. Uh, you look at Go Nagai, who literally created all of his monsters and his... Uh, main characters and their hero heroic abilities and everything they use wrestling moves i also worked on the tiger mask anime and all these things and these all got incorporated as tropes into anime yeah tiger mask who like was he was an anime character first and then and then then uh a pro wrestler took up the moniker uh tiger mask was a um no tiger mask was a wrestler first anime character second Jushin Thunder Liger was an anime character that they um, they they told the guy that became, I cannot remember Jushin Thunder Liger's name. Uh, yeah. Come at me, um, his real name. But they the guy that became Jushin Thunder Liger uh, was like, yeah, I'll do this little anime character as like a t- it was a tie in for the manga and TV show. He's like, yeah, I'll do that, sure, whatever. And he, it literally became so good that he just became the character. And that people were like, well, the anime and manga are well over, but it's like um, it's like if RoboCop had a professional wrestler uh, back in the 90s. He did. That was just him showing up. <laughs> but he did help Sting. Um, it's like if a professional wrestler version of RoboCop stayed with wrestling until now. Yeah. So, no, it's, it's very common for there to be that uh, connection. Uh, you can read more about it in my new book. <laughs> and uh, as a quick aside, just for anybody who who might still be thrown out of loop from that, uh, if you don't know like who, who Go Guy stuff like this, maybe one day we'll do like a history of anime. Uh, Go Guy, if if you've ever watched a show where somebody yells out the name of their attack, that's a Go Guy. That's the Guy. Yep. Yeah, he invented that. So um, and yeah, so that's early. That's Devil Man. That kind of stuff like yeah, honey, yeah. Um, Cutie Honey. Hun- yeah, 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 Cutie Honey. Yeah. Uh, if you ever want to just do an episode on the wrestling anime connection, like. 
Yeah, I already have all the research done for it and everything. So, right. but uh, that was just that was just the quick one, or just to be like, hey, like, um, there, there's a there's a lot more there. Get in the comments. The, 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 <laughs> these Venn diagrams cross over more than you would think. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, and also the, to speak to what Pat was saying, I also grew up with wrestling. Um, uh, my family works a lot of the uh, the like here in Birmingham. We work like city stages and stuff like that. Um, it goes. Like my family has been doing it since the seventies, uh, so when big events came to town when I was young, and technically I could still do it to this day, uh, I just don't ever call anybody up because I don't pay enough attention to what's coming to Birmingham because nothing because it feels like nothing ever is, even though they yeah. stay in work, yeah. yep. they make their living off of this, and I still am like nothing's come to town in, in twenty two years. But uh, you know, when I was a kid, I used to go see like the Disney on Ice uh, wrestling, all that stuff. I could get backstage. Disney on Ice Wrestling sounds awesome. <laughs> there, there was a comma there. Yeah, <laughs> I promise you, there was a comma there. Uh, it's in the sub. It's in the subtitles. I was like, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready for the uh, for the Kingdom Hearts where he goes to to the Attitude Era. <laughs> um, you kidding me? Uh, watch watch it. It's just a Keyblade wrapped in barbed wire. <laughs> oh God, I'd buy that thing. I don't yeah. even like Kingdom Hearts. I'd buy that thing. Shit. You talk, You kidding me? Um, watching Goofy do a Hurricane Rana is the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> yeah. while, while, on, while on figure skates. Uh, <laughs> See the Undertaker cast Zeta Flair. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So um, so being being as that was uh, also uh, Triple H uh, way back in the nineties uh, was uh, he, he got injured he got injured and he got treated in Birmingham. In Birmingham. Yeah. And uh, Ryan the the. Once owner of uh, Cavern Corner Studios, Studios uh, uh, slash technically still owner, I guess. Um, but uh, he like his sister was also in the hospital, the same hospital. So he actually ended up spending a lot of time around uh, Triple H and uh, China. Um, and uh, I was pretty devoutly into wrestling up until, and this is going to sound really funny, which is why I wanted to mention this. Up until I moved out of a trailer park. <laughs> That is that is really funny. Yeah. I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, um, uh, when I moved in with my grandparents, I I wasn't really able to watch it quite as much. They yeah. they didn't like it and stuff like that. Um, so by the time I was like thirteen, I started to drift aside. That was when the Attitude Era was was like pretty much it was like like in full swing, but it was over its hill. I think um, that was before the invasion. Or was it during the invasion? That was before. Before the invasion. Yeah. I mean, you got out at a good time. Like um, I, I tell people. And then I and then I kept like vaguely uh, abreast of what was going on because of Corey and other people I knew that were because uh, Corey, holy shit! Like uh, him and his friends had like their own like wrestling division that they carried on through game like video games and shit. Yeah. yeah uh, that was so complicated that I never understood any of it. Corey would talk for hours about this stuff. Uh, and be like, oh yeah, like uh, I'm drawing heat with Mike right now, and I'm I'm like, I don't know what the yeah, fuck Michael you're talking Reese about. Yeah, in here right now. We would get them sticks, and I would be the champion again. <laughs> yep. I will hit you with another another eighteen wheeler. Just wait, just wait. <laughs> High definition, four thousand polygons per square inch. Um, and uh, so. But like I, other than like when I go over to uh, Corey's place and sometimes catch an old Royal Rumble or something like that, um, and TikTok, I I usually find that to keep up with like wrestlers who are mostly retired now. Pretty much. Um, uh, but yeah, around the attitude areas where I kind of fell off, and then just I, I had to keep knowing where where, where Shawn Michaels was um, throughout all of my life. And since this <laughs> sort of leads into what we're talking about, 
Um, I was going to say if wrestlers you, who I are. I thought you were about to say, and this is what we're talking about. Shawn Michaels also died, and I was about to no, like, no, literally I, burst into tears. I no, <laughs> no, no, I don't no. think that has happened. He is re- not not to sweet. my knowledge. He is retired, sitting on a ranch in uh, San Antonio. Not sweet, sweet, not actually sweet at all, uh, Mr. Higginbotham. Yeah, I'm. Try- <laughs> I was trying to not uh, bring up any currently alive wrestlers for fear of bringing that into this, but. Um, no, I was going to say that that um, I was going to say that the wrestlers who are mostly retired now. I was going to say something that would sound rude, but this is what I mean. They deserve to be retired. They deserve to have a great, you know, uh, uh, swan song into their into their final years. They they deserve to have that long retirement to enjoy the rest of their lives because of what they have given to me and many other people. People sitting at this table, people listening, years of entertainment and everything, and something that just doesn't happen because of the way of the business or things that were done uh, in the territories. Or just because of the phenomena of being a pro wrestler, they don't get to make it to those twilight years. They don't get to make it to retirement. Yeah. And a lot of them, because there's no fallback plan, a lot like the NFL, they just kind of have to keep going. They wind up having to stay in it for a lot longer than they should have. Like a, lo- a lot of the people that I'm going to list here, I'm if I when I list their the age that they passed at, you're gonna be like, wow, that it's really not that old. It's it's kind of rare for you to hear about wrestlers making it into the mid 80s. Yeah. Um so uh my my the the first one we're going to we're going to get into um I'm only going to talk as far back as 2020 um because it feels like our existence divides at 2020. The world feels very different before versus after. It's the blip. Yeah. Uh yeah, it was our blip. Yeah. Yeah. Um but uh, and I'll, but I'll I'll start off um, by talking about uh, Jonathan Huber. Um, WWE fans will know him as Luke Harper, um, and uh, AEW fans will know him as uh, Mr. Brody Lee. Um, like uh, I primarily knew about uh, Jonathan Huber uh, through the uh, when he debuted as a a member of the Wyatt family. Alongside uh, Bray Wyatt and um, Eric Rowan, who um, during that period that was uh, 2012, um, that ran from 2012 2014, and then he split from the Wyatts to have an Intercontinental Championship run that for until 2015, and that continued until uh, 2019, and then he went to AEW in 2020. Um, I mostly knew knew him in WWE. He never really showcased any of his any of his might skill, which I which apparently he when he went to AEW, no one could stop talking about. Oh, absolutely. Um, he was mainly just the really really big guy in the Wyatt family, a family of really really big guys. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I'm going to be full transparency, like, mm-hmm. uh, because once again, I it's been a long time for me for a lot of these people. I don't recognize the name. Yeah, Brody so. Lee was one of the two. Um, well, oh, and uh, and, uh, and he was he was uh, 41 when he passed. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, um, I was going to say now, Brody Lee, I do recognize vaguely. Do you remember the the Bruiser Brothers or the Basher Brothers? Uh, they they gave him sledgehammers. When they yes. brought off the Wyatt family, he was one of the two, and he was also one of the two that would wear the the sheep masks. 
Okay, okay. I, I I do have some like once again this is well out well out from out, but yeah. you know. oh, yes, but I also did play a lot of the wrestling games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you if you it, th- think of the uh, the giant redneck in a wife beater and blue jeans. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. also kind of looking like uh, kind of looking like uh, my name is Earl. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I got fair no enough. Other way to say it. Yeah. Uh, but no. Uh, yeah. Uh, Birdie Lee, um, immaculate uh, mic skills. One of the things that you don't get to see a lot with uh, WWE is you get, you don't get to see a lot of the talent in the locker room that is actually on on uh, on the show. Um, part of part of the reason I'm kind of just choked up about it is it, it did hit me pretty hard um, when he passed. But um, one of the things you don't get to see is a lot of the back catalogs talent talent. So. You have so many people, and there are so many roles to fill. And WWE was hemorrhaging talent when he was in WWE. Like they, yeah. they were gobbling people up because they were afraid that these that these they'd see somebody on a show and go, "Wow, they're really good. Let's get them so that no one else has them." And that was their biggest fear was that these that people would leave and go to other uh, places, which has been realized with AEW and the way that uh, the independent scene and uh, well, yeah, they, they, working. during that time they would they would hire more people than they could put on TV. And being on TV is kind of how these guys make most of their money. Absolutely. And then when you put someone in a big a big uh, bruiser strong strong man role you know, classically in wrestling, that person's not going to talk. It is just, it is the classic trait of the big monster. WWE was full of big monsters at the time, so they didn't know what to do with them. And when he got to AEW, he got to be himself again. He got to be this character that they made, uh, probably the greatest, like, build-up to a power stable of all time, um, uh, only for, you know, what happened to happen. Um... But yeah, like uh, highly recommend like watching any of the segments where it's like, uh, uh, where are my papers? Mm-hmm. Uh, he will show up to. I feel so bad about this because I am blanking uh, the name of. Uh, he was. He was. Uh, oh my gosh, uh, the Dark Order. Dark Order. He was the leader of the Dark Order, um, uh, and he would do these segments where he was coming in, and they were sort of like this, like super stable like the NWO but they eventually turn into almost like the Goof Troop um, <laughs> but in a great way because AEW is a magical place where you can if something doesn't work they go okay we'll do the thing you love uh, and that's the reason that people love it so much uh, there's a there's a meme of two of the members of Dark Order uh, uh, the oh, the buff the buff dude uh um, Dude, you talking about wrestling? When you I'm say the buff wrestling. dude, I'm like, oh yes, Corey has narrowed this down. Yeah, we're in slim pickings now. Um, the buff dude? That's only like that's like four people. I say unless you're specifically talking John about Silver. Bagwell, John Silver, John, okay. Johnny is hunky. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so funny. You have to watch any of them. And like John, John, uh, John Silver is usually the main subject of uh, Brody, Mr. Brody Lee's ire and is always getting like papers thrown at him and everything. It was so good. Uh, it was, it literally, the Dark Order went from being 
we need a bunch of evil bad guys to go against these colossally powerful, famous indie dudes. Uh, the the Young Bucks, uh, you know, you got uh, Cody Rhodes, like all these amazing people. It's like, oh, we need a big evil group to eventually turn into its own like segment that you were tuning in to AEW to see, like. Okay, what's going to happen with the Dark Order today? Like, who who's getting fired? What's happening? It was like a show within a show, and a lot of that was uh, Brody Lee's ideas coming forth. He was like, "Hey, what if we what if we're more like the Shredder and his henchmen? Yeah. Like, what if we go this direction?" And people ate it up. And um, there, you can also the other thing about him is as a worker, as someone who's actually in the ring and doing the match. Like, phenomenal. Phenomenal wrestling skills. It was never... There was never any doubt about his skills or anything like that. I I think it was just timing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, he he passed in 2020, but it was stated to not be uh, COVID-related. Yeah. They, to the better part of anyone's knowledge, we just know that he passed away. Yeah, it was it was a big surprise. And, and uh, what they did to, to wrap that up... What they did is his son uh, is now an active part of AEW, and he is known as Negative One. He has a mask that he wears that he comes out with and everything, and they've actually incorporated him into the entirety of the the Dark Order storyline. He is the leader. He's like, I think he's like 10 or something now, but it's really, no, they really went like, oh no, your dad is going to be remembered forever, and we're going to make sure you are too. And they gave him a belt. They gave him like uh, they had a television title, and they and Tony Khan retired the television title that Brody Lee held because he was like he died having been the holder of that title. It was like no one else will hold this title. Yeah, it okay. was that's wild. dope. Like he got of of the people we're gonna talk to talk about, he got one of the best send offs, yep. best salute, everything. So. Uh, my neck. The next person I'm going to make mention of is uh, Wade Douglas Bowles. Um, uh, he was a who was a Canadian professional wrestler. He wrestled under the name uh, Sweet Ebony Diamond, uh, Drew Glasto, or most notably and most well known Soul Man Rocky Johnson. Oh, Soul Man. Okay, this is the Rock's dad. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, the name sounds so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, I feel like I'm being fucked with. I was like, ah, oh, I can almost put this together. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, born uh, August 24, 1944. Uh, passed January 15th, 2020. Uh, he was uh, 75. Okay. So, which is which is up there for a professional wrestler? But um, he was also out for a while, wasn't he? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, like uh, he. he he uh, retired in uh, 1991. Um, uh, you know that was when he uh, tw- trained his son uh, Dwayne how to wrestle. Um, probably his most notable, uh, probably most well-known professional wrestling accolade uh, was when he and Tony Atlas uh, defeated the Wild Samoans uh, in 1983 uh, to become the first uh, black tag team uh, wrestlers. Or tag team champion. champion wrestlers. Yeah, there there are a couple of teams that will be uh, uh, arguing that uh, that claim of being the first tag yeah. team. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. 
uh, probably a huge, uh, almost like a, a, a opening the door for uh, for future black champions. Uh, like even even uh, the the oh my gosh, I can't think. Wow. So his son is he supposed to be somebody I, I know? Oh uh, yeah. yeah uh, you might not. He uh, he, he was uh, he was in that pacifier movie. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 Uh, wasn't he like a tooth fairy at one point? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was also in that. He was also in that. Uh, in that Witch Mountain movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with the memes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Cool. The new day opening the door for the new day. <laughs> for, uh, Kofi Kingston uh, to eventually become WWE champion. One of the very few black WWE champions. A man who deserved that belt. Yes. And he also set up for his son to become one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. To, who is his son? <laughs> to establish a trend of uh, every time a uh, black person wins the WWE championship, out comes Brock Lesnar from the shadows oh. to ruin everything. <laughs> God. When I found out that was actually a I told you thing, that. I was like, that can't be real. Surely. Surely. Three times is a pattern. Four. I thought it was four. Well, it was three times I called it a pattern, then it happened oh. a fourth time. Yeah. It just... It, it takes someone as strong and capable as Brock Lesnar to take them down. He's the Zorro. Uh, he's the Roronora Zorro of yeah. professional wrestling. I mean, I've, I've said it. I know I've said it on this podcast where Brock Lesnar is not a human being. That is a proto space marine. The Emperor is testing on us. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Rocky Johnson didn't want his son to go into, w, uh, to, into wrestling, period. I be- I've, I've heard that before, and I couldn't I couldn't confirm it, but I definitely have heard that before. Uh, I believe The Rock himself. I mean, I mean, I mean, The Rock has said several times that wrestling was not his first uh, plan. Uh, it, because before then, he was he was planning to you know go pro for with football. football. Yeah, yeah. He, he he played in that uh, Miami University uh, while in college and injured himself. Um, but that's so wild. To injure yourself playing like football professionally, and then, to be like, and then go let's wrestling. go to wrestling instead. It, it's really common. Um, I know, I know. Like uh, Shawn Michaels did the same thing, I believe. Um, a lot of uh, Goldberg. Look, did as I well. care. I care about Shawn Michaels. Here, <laughs> all right, and Goldberg can fuck right off. Uh, uh, tell, tell him the hitman said that. Uh, so, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's actually pretty common. You'll you'll hear you'll hear that uh, throughout because one of the things about wrestling is. I mean, it's real. <laughs> it's real. Be, uh, you be sure don't, it is don't, real. Uh, you want to you you, you talk about that, you watch that Bill Maher interview where he's talking to Rowdy Roddy Piper. And, and Piper, you know, all but takes his pants off on live TV. Like, see that? That's a that's a metal rod in my hip. Yeah. <laughs> you want to tell me it ain't real? You tell that to Owen Hart's family. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, that's not what I meant. I meant that I know. Uh, uh, it's staged. That, and, and that, that they're doing the things safely. Yeah. And that they're doing things safely. As, th- as safely as they can. Yeah. Another thing is... Uh, the, they're Jeff Hardy's notwithstanding. Jeff, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sabu. Uh, uh, it does, oh, it Sabu, does, it does. what happened to your, to your jaw? Oh, I duct taped it because it uh, got, you know, uh, out of whack. Oh, okay. Are you going to go see the doctor? No, I'm going to duct tape it again tonight. Yeah. Like, it, it gets... Exhausting anytime you're watching wrestling around non wrestling fans that they inevitably have to turn turn you go. You know it's fake, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but because of that, 
they, it's it's also one of those that as it is it has a uh, it is about as it is about as fake as a Jackie Chan movie. Except when Jackie Chan breaks his skull, they stop production. Right. <laughs> it is. It has a turnover rate that's like less than than the NFL because when you get any injury in NFL, you're practically out for the rest of your career. Tell that to Jackie and Rumble in the Bronx when uh, he broke his uh, foot doing that jump, and they just painted his cast to look like a. Oh, I, I know. I, I know. was actually <laughs> going to say something about that, but I was like, no, this isn't. I wasn't. I wasn't bringing up Rumble in the, Bronx, in the Bronx. He is. He is. He is catastrophically injured himself in almost every movie he's ever made. That was just my favorite because once you see the cast and like, then you want to watch the movie again. You got like, you, you got to the point where you're like, okay, I'm I'm looking for that fucking cast shoe. <laughs> Speaking of shattering your skull, uh, that reminds me of CM Punk, who shattered his skull and then just lived in a basement eating uh, Triscuits and drinking uh, uh, Gatorade while uh, the same movie played over and over on his VH- VSR. V8. Oh my god, VCR. What the is hell that, am is, I? Is that, what, is that why CM Punk went crazy? Yes. <laughs> yes, Jared. No. <laughs> I don't know. We mean went crazy. <laughs> oh yeah, he's been like, you can't stay in the locker room now. If you look at CM Punk wrong, coming for you. Well, he's on he's on uh, heels now. Oh yeah, he is on heels. Yeah. Him him and his and his wife. Uh, but yeah, moving on from uh, Rocky Johnson um, to uh, someone who I lear- I n- knew about after he had already long retired. From from uh, active service, uh, or yeah, from the active roster. Oh. Um, that being uh, Pierre Clement, uh, also known as Pat Patterson. Um, okay. 1941 He passed uh, December second, twenty twenty. He was seventy nine. Um, he made his wrestling debut as Pretty Boy Pat Patterson in nineteen fifty eight, uh, where he you know. Pretty much, he wrestled everywhere in the in like the old territories, um, but I most knew him in 1997, where he, along with uh, Jerry Briscoe, were the comedic uh, heel stooges to Vince McMahon, while Vince was having his uh, big rivalry that made the Attitude Era against uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, that's what I that's what I knew him from. That's when the yeah. second you said it, I was thinking of like also like the DX with the skit where like they had like uh, the little person running around kissing yep. asses. Yeah, to represent him. Uh, I was also going to say that uh, he's possibly one of the greatest um, uh, women's ta- uh, women's champion uh, of all time. I was going to bring that up because <laughs> um, uh, keep in mind uh, the 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 era of that you know he started wrestling in 1958 uh patterson was openly gay throughout his career um he was also notably teased about it by vince mcmahon um that was why he was a women's championship Champion. uh it is why he never held a world championship yeah um, well, i never knew any of this yeah, yep. he, he was, oh yeah he was you know a target of a lot of fairly disgraceful angles that you re- you really only knew if they were disgraceful. You knew he was gay. I didn't know he was gay until long until long after the. the I'm finding out just now. Yeah, yeah. But that's to me. That's the thing. It shouldn't be something that he has to carry with him if he wants to be a wrestler. And he opened the door for so many other people to come in. Sonny Kiss, 
you can even you can even say that uh, Gold Goldust did a little bit of that as well, even though yeah. it was sort even of though it was a, played up as as, as kayfabe. He was, yeah, he was he was more weird than he was necessarily gay. Exactly, but it's still without Pat Patterson being a trailblazer and going through that ridicule and establishing himself as a legend as a as a huge talent for a creative and just being so loyal for so long like it's one of those things that because be I mentioned the teasing it's a complicated relationship that he had with with Vince and with with the McMahon family because he also he was also like Stephanie's uh, godfather and I'll say this I'll say this that what we might construe as as teasing or something can be a badge of honor in the locker room. So yeah, one of the things um, is you have to take take into account that there are there are uh, um, the the old school team. You know, you got Vince McMahon, you got uh, you got uh, uh, the the King, uh, Percy Pringle, uh, all these all these guys when they were when they were in the locker room, they were jabbing at each other, doing ribs and things. And part of it was that badge of honor to keep that going for so long. It was to have something and poke fun at you for it and make you stronger for it. So that's that's one thing about Riddle That is culture. how they thought then. Yeah. That's how they thought then. There's a very thin line between playful ribbing and harassment. Right. Yeah. And so it's something that the newer locker room doesn't really, doesn't really gel with. And it is a bit of a, a clash of... Um, of ideals and it's not necessarily it to me it's good that it's kind of going mm-hmm. away but that ribbing still exists and it is something that you might walk in on something and R- ribbing is ribbing is one thing uh yeah like v- vince mcmahon is a if heavily testified throughout everyone who's all, who worked for him notable ribber oh yes um him you know making fun of big show snoring is a lot different than, you know, than than uh, making fun of uh, Pat Patterson being gay. But one of the other things that that he did for him is Pat Patterson always always had a job. Yeah, he always well, had something that he could do. Until it became inconvenient until in nineteen ninety two, Patterson was accused of sexual harassment uh, by a former ring announcer, and he was released from the company until the charges were dropped, and then he was rehired. Yep. I, now that I will attest to, I didn't. I didn't think about that. But after, but after the charges were dropped and everything, like he was, uh, I actually did get to uh, cross paths with Pat Patterson at WrestleMania. Um, uh, he was uh, after the show. He was just like sitting in a bar. And it was just like, you want to drink? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody was high, high from the experience and uh, on Bourbon Street. So that was pretty cool. And he seemed to be a pretty cool guy. Yeah. All right, so moving on to the next one. This is the final one of 2020. Um, and that is uh, Tommy uh, Tiny Lister, also known as Tommy List- Thomas Lister Jr., uh, June 24, 1958 to December 10th, 2020. Uh, he was 62 uh, when he passed. Uh, he made his uh, pro wrestling debut in 1988 and retired in the year 2000. Um all that being said, uh, his wrestling career started with a crossover to a to the movie uh, 1989 movie No Holds Barred, uh, featuring uh, 
Hulk Hogan. Oh, it's the, it's the greatest movie of all time. Oh! A movie I quote, I quote way more than I think most people are comfortable with, except for Corey. Yeah, where he... he <laughs> Oh, he, he played. He played Jinky. the. He played the villainous uh, Zeus. Zeus. Yes. Okay. Now I know who you're talking about. I was like, that's what I knew from immediately. I saw. I saw Jared's eyes light up when I said Tiny Lister. Yeah. <laughs> like Zeus. Um. Uh, see, need to say uh, his, his, the his wrestling uh, career never really took off. Yeah. Um. Uh. Probably the most he, he had. He had that short feud with Hogan. Um, he also later on formed an alliance with uh, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. Who? Um, Mil- I just said that to oh. with Corey. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, you know, l- later later on, he would you know move on to Hollywood as many uh, professional wrestlers would eventually do. Where I, where he where he, where he took on the role that I know him most well f- for. That being the role of Debo in Friday. I was about to say, I think most people know him for yeah. the role of Debo in Friday. Yeah. Uh, a, a role that influenced pop culture to, to, to make Debo its own word. Yes. Yeah. When I was a kid, if uh, somebody was coming up around, you, you you got worried about being Deboed. Yeah. Um, Define being Deboed. Is that when you stand uh, right next to each other and kick your, kick each other in the nuts as hard as you can? No, that's Rochambeau. <laughs> Deboed is when you got your shit jacked. Uh, <laughs> yes. he, he would have such varied roles as uh, as, as Debo in, in Friday and next Friday to the uh, cool-headed galactic president in Fifth Element. Oh, yeah. He was the president in Fifth Element. Yes. God. Um... So, so, way too cool-headed. Yeah, <laughs> you might you might say he was he was way too cool under pressure. Like, Mr. President, please, please. The the asteroid that eats people is is literally right next to me. I'm being sucked in. Mr. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, Mr. President. Uh, yeah, no, I I think uh, one of the weird things about being a wrestling fan is like certain. When you, as a wrestler, you end up getting into your character, and sometimes that character that was a joke becomes who you will always be remembered as, and I remember him as Zeus. Yeah. I remember him as Zeus. And that's not even in real wrestling. <laughs> that's in... That's in a movie about a wrestler. Where, where, where wrestling is sort of the vehicle for uh, action hero shenanigans. Um, but... I, I feel like Zeus is such a grand example of the big bad evil guy that it, it sort of permeated into 80s wrestling at that point that a lot of people would be like, oh, this Zeus motherfucker. Like, <laughs> like, it would be like, oh, I know what this guy's doing. Um, uh, and it is, it's, it's sad. It's sad that his wrestling career didn't really take off more after that, but... Yeah, but if it did, I don't think we would. We've got. We've we, gotten we may less. not have gotten Debo. We, yeah, we, we wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten, gotten Debo. Debo. We I, wouldn't have gotten Fifth Element. Yeah, I, I think that. He definitely and the thing is, like, for for as 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 kitschy and you know and tongue and you know tongue in cheek as a lot of Fifth Element is, or as has as it has become in the years since. I don't know who could have played the Latin president <laughs> outside of Tiny Lister. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect casting. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm sorry, I I don't know of a black person in Hollywood that could have. That could have taken the role that way. Because <laughs> <laughs> really, he had to get to the get the direction. Okay, in this pod, Bruce Willis and uh, and and, and uh, Corbin Dallas and Lilu are banging, and you got to play it off with a straight face. 
Okay. <laughs> it, it's really awesome how many people cut their teeth on wrestling and end up doing something else. Like David are. Arquette. Who would have known who David Arquette was if he wasn't? <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, he's a WCW yeah. champion. I mean, not once, but twice. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, and one, of the, it, one of the most deadly gimmick matches of all time. Absolutely, <laughs> five stages of hell or whatever. It's yeah, where they, they where they stack three cages on the, top the of each three, other. Three stages of hell. Oh my god, I love I love failing WCW so go, so well. Oh my god, I love it so much. Um, uh, but yeah, just just the amount of people that have cut their teeth on wrestling to go into something else, and you always kind of come back to it. It's something I've noticed because, you know, they, they call it a square and circle. It really is. Like, they build these familiar relationships with these people that they tour with every day, going everywhere. And even when they re-released uh, The Holds Barred, he was doing uh, stuff on, like, Raw, uh, promoting the film and everything. So it's just like when they re-released it on super high-def Blu-ray so you could see the guy... Uh, shit his pants, <laughs> yeah, uh, and you can smell it coming out of the TV. <laughs> he was there, like, yeah, put me on, put me on TV. I'll talk about it. What's up? Then uh, they had him wrestling as Zeus in the eighties and everything. Like it, honestly, yeah, I'm glad that he he had what he had. Yeah, and he got to have a full life. All right, and finally making it out of out of 2020, we'll go into our first entrance entrant of 2021. Uh, and that being uh, Jerome Young, a.k.a. New Jack. Uh, born January 3rd, 1963. Uh, he passed uh, May 14th, 2021. He was 58. Oof. Yeah. Um, this man made his debut in 1992. Uh, his most noteworthy of from his, uh, the, his work in uh, ECW. Absolutely. Um... Though he wrestled, you know, every everywhere in the Indies after ECW, uh, you know, folded. He was also in Wrestling Society X, the greatest wrestling. Uh, yeah, that's where I know him from. Okay. Uh, you know, he, he he was he was the he was the angry he was the angry black guy that you know brought a uh, shopping cart full of uh, you know hardcore implements to the ring. He ended. That's up, what I know him from. Okay, I was like struggling since we mentioned him off camera. So one of the things that he did that he doesn't get a lot of credit for, uh, because it was scary at the time. One of the things that he did is during the L.A. riots and like after the you know Rodney King and everything, uh, he was on ECW and he and um. I forgot the public enemy was the name of their tag team. If I'm not mistaken, I'm probably mistaken because I think there was another one that was public enemy. Um, oh, there's, a, there's a rap group. Well, I mean, public enemy is the name of a wrestling tag team, but I don't okay. know if they're the one you're talking about. It was new Jack and, uh, uh, Mustafa, Mustafa Saeed. It was the gangsters. That's what they were called. They were called the gangsters. But one of the things that he wanted to do is like, hey, can I make my character like that thing that like like these people that want to see black people put under like make th- my character that thing that's that they're afraid of. And like, hey, like all this stuff that's happening right now, like I can use this for my character. Which and, honestly, Jerome, white people were already scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
Excuse me. New Jack is just who he was. Because New Jack was pretty much developed in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which in in and of itself is sort of like a prelude to w, uh, ECW. Yeah. But, um, and Jim Cornette was like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Like, Jim Cornette was like, oh yeah, let's do that. And he had people... Uh, doing death threats to Smoky Mountain, had death threats to ECW. It was like, well, what don't you like about him? You don't like that he's black, and that he's saying things that are true. Like, oh, it sucks that every time every time a black person gets pulled over by the cops, they die. Yeah, like, and that was the thing that he got a lot of heat for as a wrestler, and he was opening people's eyes. It was something that, like, up until New Jack, to be honest, he was also opening people's organs. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. New Jack did. New Jack actively. New Jack actively stabbed someone in the middle of a pro wrestling match. This is after. This is after all of this. You know. Uh, uh, and, and did so, that motherfucker deserve it? No. No. Okay. No. No. Not at all. Okay. I didn't know. Uh, no. This is the person he stabbed was the guy he was he was wrestling in the match. Okay. Yeah. It, it was. The, the, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, this is all new to me. I just know in Wrestling Society X. Oh no! Like. This is after Wrestling Society X. Um, but up until that point, pretty much wrestlers of you know African or Pacific Islanders heritage, they had been turned into pretty much just like the tribal the, the, the tribal character. Yeah. Like it was very hard to be someone in wrestling of color and not be either a pimp or uh either or, either you were either you were a a pimp or an aborigine or you know or or you had a bone through your nose and that was something that broke the mold on that it was it was like hey you know i don't have to be that i can be me um and then we'll move on to yes of course he stabbed people yeah um he he was definitely a troubled man um but this is an aside when did the uh, nation of domination start oh 95 okay 95 Sounds right okay I can pull that up. I was just bringing it up because of like, uh, if you're talking about like groups that were, I mean, it's it, it's very strange that like when you think of like nation uh, domination, ninety six to ninety eight. Yeah, I was gonna say like they were like considered to be heels, even though, you know, they they were really just. Yeah, but they're they're gonna be more well known because uh, you know they they couldn't say fuck on live television, <laughs> and uh, yeah. n- nothing was gonna stop New Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, I can't find anything about the stabbing on Wikipedia. I'm trying to see when it was. No, I saw, I, I saw that in a vi- in a video. Like it was like you know somebody was filming an indie an indie match and he was he was wrestling somebody. He pulled a knife out of his uh, uh wonderful knife, like a box cutter out of his uh out of his you yeah know, pants and drove it into the guy in the, in the middle of the match. One of the reasons for that was. There were there wrestling is a dance. Wrestling is a professional contract, and if you're going into a match with someone, uh, and they the the story of the match is this guy wins, and you're rubbing against that, there is something in wrestling called being a hooker. That doesn't mean that you're you're uh, you know doing something for pay. You're able to throw a right hook that's so hard that it knocks someone out so that you maintain your belt or you maintain your credit. You know, you if somebody decides they want to go into business for themselves, you have to do everything that you can in order to make sure that they don't win. And New Jack took that way too far, but that is at least 
looking into the mindset of why did he do that? Well, from what? Well, New, well, New Jack would also just beat the shit out of you if he didn't like you. That too. He he was very troubled. Like you know, he he historically did not like Taz at all. Yeah. Um, and Taz would refuse to work with him because he knows if I go in the ring, New Jack, New Jack's gonna hit me with a chair edge first on the edge temple first, yeah. and just kill me on live TV. Yeah. So. Um, Rest in peace. Yeah, uh, did say like, like if you, if you get a chance, kids, uh, you know, go 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 look up some New Jack videos and re- and be thankful uh, the dark <laughs> that you won't run into him in a dark yeah. alley. Uh, the Dark Side of the Ring episode uh, is fantastic. I yeah. highly recommend the New Jack Dark Side of the Ring episode. Obviously, our shit's better though. Mm-hmm. Yep. The darkest <laughs> side of the ring. Um, let's see, uh, my next interest is going to be in 2022, um, that is going to be Scott Oliver Hall, also known as Scott Hall, or Razor Ramon, uh, born, uh, October 20th, 1958, he passed, uh, March 14th, uh, 2022, he was 63. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, that's older than I thought that, uh, Scott Hall would have made it to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's older. Thank, thank DDP. Yeah, I was about to say that's older than Scott Hall. Think he would thought he would make it too. Yeah. Uh, when did he start DDP Yoga? Do you remember? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember. Uh, it was it was it was it was well it was well after it was well after most of his after he retired. Yeah. yeah. Scott Hall, one more for the bad guys. Uh, Reza Ramol. Yeah. What can't you say about him other yeah. than the fact that he shaped the way that I hold a toothpick in my hand and flick, <laughs> and flick it, it every time I'm done with one yeah. uh, and pray to God that somebody walks by so I can hit them on accident because I'm a human being. I have to not do that on purpose. But part of me is just like, come on, one pedestrian, uh, score one for the bad guy. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll bring, uh, bring a few bullet points, but honestly, Scott Hall's career is... Storied and accomplished. I mean, we can do a whole episode. Do a yeah. whole episode. I mean, even I could participate pretty heavily in that. Yeah. Um. So he uh, he began his, his professional wrestling career in 1984 uh, in Championship Wrestling from Florida or the CWF, um, where he uh, had a feud with uh, Dusty Rhodes. Um. 1991, uh, he would go to the NWA, which would then uh, be renamed WCW. Where he was uh, wrestling under the name the Diamond Stud. You clearly confused the shit out of Corey when he said NWA, and uh, Corey was like, "Oh my god, he was with Cuban then." <laughs> no, I thought he said NBA. I was like, "Oh shit, he was a basketball player," <laughs> which is sad because my my dad sort of wrestled in the NWA, so like I should be able to be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. And, um, but yeah, he was he wrestled under the moniker the Diamond Stud with a. Similar gimmick to uh, Ravishing Rick Rude. He was yeah. managed by Diamond Dallas Page. Big pretty. Uh, later on, he would go to WWF in 1992, uh, where he was Razor Ramon, uh, a like, Cuban-American heel uh, build from Miami um, that was heavily... Influenced mu- by Scarface. Yeah, influenced by Scarface and... Um, and uh, you know, the, and Al Pacino's portrayal of Scarface. Uh, he had the nickname "the bad guy," you know, with his catchphrases, as Corey stated earlier. Say hello to the bad guy. Um, <laughs> Put another one down for the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
later, 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 later on in interviews, uh, Hall would state that you know he pitched the idea of the Scarface character during a meeting with uh, Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson, um, but they didn't. They hadn't seen the movie or heard of it, right? So they just thought he was he was a genius com- coming up with all this shit whole cloth. <laughs> 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 to be fair, I didn't watch Scarface until like 2013. Yeah, like it took me a while before I watched it because my mom was like, "No, you can't watch that movie. It's terrible. It's bad. He kills people." Yeah, while 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 in the uh, WWF, um, he probably you know helped, he he and uh, Shawn Michaels made themselves famous uh, with uh, their ladder match, the uh, five star. At- Absolute banger of a ladder match. It's yeah. the ladder match by which all other ladder matches were judged until like the Hardy Boys started. I was going to say until Jeff came in there and decided to break that himself. Was, uh, that was what Hardy Boys uh, pill popping in triumph. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Dudley Boys, Hardy Boys, uh, Edgy Christian, and who was the last of the four? Was it just those three? It was just those three. It was just those three. Oh God, that was that was a good one too. Uh, and I, I'd say that, like, for me, Scott Hall begins in Razor Ramon. It begins with the whole, the the flicking of the the toothpick and and the uh, the Miami Vice look. I remember when I was a little kid, I'd I'd be so I'd be just stoked to see him, even though he was a bad guy. You were just yeah. like you're like you're not supposed to like like this guy. He's all mean and stuff. And my dad was like, "What do you? Why are you like this Puerto Rican guy?" I was like, "This is Scott Hall, daddy." That's <laughs> Ramon. <laughs> Um, let's see, uh, he, he would, he would also, uh, help, uh, bring in, uh, Sean Waltman, uh, in the w- WWF as the one, two, three kid. Uh, later on, he would, you know, we would know him as X-Pac. X-Pac. Yep. Um, we, we missed a goal. Which, which looks like, I mean, let's be honest here, X-Pac does look like he's seeded off of, uh, Razor Ramon. <laughs> Razor Ramon. <laughs> like, like, he's like a podling. Yeah. yeah, he's a podling that sprouted away. <laughs> And then just started bu- uh, bronco bustering everyone yeah. in sight. <laughs> like that's not that's not like uh, mince words here. Yeah. Sad, 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 sadly, uh, you know, just br- to bring it back to uh, to you know geeky stuff. Sad, sadly, uh, you know, the DC universe couldn't take off like twenty years earlier, and I could have gotten either of them to play Lobo. Oh, oh yeah. Oh god. Uh, that and I, I just I also the oh my god you said that now I'm like oh, holy shit that'd been like yeah that's literally perfect casting yeah yeah whole like like sitting there because like like that was like one of the hairiest chested motherfuckers in wrestling yes there's um, a non zero percent chance that he was just the proto <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean I, <laughs> there's a non zero percent chance that there's a literal like Razor Ramon uh, chest hair floating around in the air at any given point yeah. Um, uh, rounding out his uh, stint in WWF, um, probably can't go without mentioning uh, 1996's uh, Madison Square Garden incident, um, where Hall and fellow Click member uh, Kevin Nash were departing WCW. Um, Repart- departing WWF for WCW. Yeah, they were departing yeah, WWF the to go call. to WCW. Um, the, you know the curtain call moment uh, where, along with uh, Triple, uh, H, Triple H and Shawn, Shawn Michaels. Michaels they like kind of celebrated their last match together, uh, you know, hugging in the ring. Um, Nash and Hall would leave to WCW, WCW, and uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels would pay for that moment for many a year. Yes, uh, Triple H 
basically had to marry out of the heat that he got. Pretty much, yeah. Um, uh, see, I don't remember that. Oh, the curtain call? Yeah. yeah, that's because they don't show it. Yeah, they don't like to... They Until, like, you know, very recently, they didn't like talking about it. Uh, the only footage that there is of it is all camcorder. Like, huh. people were at the event, and they had the camcorders, and they filmed them doing it. <laughs> and it was so big of a thing, because it was... Uh, up until that point, when was the curtain call? What 96. Was 96. 96. 96 is the year pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty much what Because 96, 97 was when like the Austin McMahon stuff started picking up real heavy. Yes. And the other thing that, um, that the curtain call, because uh, it, it basically killed kayfabe, but it also started... Uh, what I believe would be Scott Hall and Kevin Nash's lasting impact onto the professional wrestling landscape with the Outsiders. Yeah, that's what I was about to bring up. Absolutely. Uh, after that, uh, they would move on to WCW. Uh, Hall would debut first, where he would call himself an Outsider. Then Nash would would uh, would debut, um, and the two of them probably became the one of the most dominant tag teams in WCW history. And my absolute um, favorite phrase of all time, who is the third man? Yeah, uh, which was revealed to be uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Absolutely. Um, you know, then they became, you know, pretty much indelibly linked to WCW. You, you can't talk about WCW without talking about the NWO. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the faction that wouldn't die. Yeah. But you either joined NWO like, or you didn't get booked. Yeah. I, I was I was about to say like it, it wasn't the faction that wouldn't die. It was you know we we when we were having the wrestling wars. It was you watched WWF or you watched NWO. They were yeah. like <laughs> like, like you, you weren't watching WCW. They they put that up there just so like for brand recognition. So you had the the two W's competing, but it was really WWF versus NWO. <laughs> And one of the things I loved about The Outsiders was, like, I know that I was young when I saw it, but even still, like, I, I had gotten to the point where my dad had been like, you know, yeah, so unfortunately everything that this this is fake. And technically, I didn't have the wool pulled over my eyes until um, uh, Action Mike Jackson wrestled at my school and, and, and pulled <laughs> pulled back the curtain. That was the moment when, when I truly, wrestling was dead, and I stopped watching it for a year. But... Um, even so, even knowing, just like, hey, you know this is all predetermined, hey, you know this is all that, nobody knew. Nobody, everybody would just be like, are they actually invading this show? Are they actually, because security would actively do everything they could to get them out of there. And it was, and they purposefully were like, hey, try and get them out like they are literally breaking into this place. Because they wanted to make that look so real. And there, I remember talking to my brother's friends and talking to people at school and people just being like, oh, no, they're not supposed to be there. <laughs> they're they are 100% breaking into the arena and trying to get into the ring. Oh, no, they're literally not on the payroll. They're, they're just doing this. Yeah, and that's, the, that's kind of the magic of when you're like a kid. Although by that point, I was 100% diehard WWF. Oh, so, definitely. Um, uh, but my little brother uh, Jesse, he was WCW, CW. and uh, I remember as as things progressed with with WCW, they they, they eventually had this, and I'm not making this up because it's the dumbest thing I've ever said out loud as a toy. Um, it was a thumb wrestling arena 
that you had that was Goldberg on one side and Scott Hall on the other, and you like held on to it, uh, and then you like re- like, and it was a little like wrestling ring, and you would hold on to it, and then your thumbs would meet in the middle, and you would thumb wrestle. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the, I didn't have the <laughs> Scott Hall one, but I had the Goldberg WCW Kids uh, Nitro uh, toothbrush toothpaste. <laughs> that that shit was fire. It tasted yeah. like bubble gum, but it was all blue and sparkly. Um, but yeah, uh, also notably, like a lot of people will talk about the you know bad things that uh, Hall and Nash did in WCW. Um, they kind of like you know they booked themselves into everything. Um, well, when the person and, and that's the head of creative won't say no, then why won't you do it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, for better or for worse, one thing I one thing I will get credit Scott Hall with, um, he is that he knew that this monstrous faction of the NWO needed someone to stand against them, and he actually came up with the idea for uh, the rebranding of of the wrestler Sting. Um, you know, Sting now, he kind of modeled, at that time, he remodeled himself more off of the movie The Crow, he became, he stopped, uh, he got rid of, like, all of the fluorescent kind of Hulk Hogan rip-off-y colors, he went full black and white, trench coat, uh, you know, bat, came from the ceiling. Yeah. (laughs) When Sting became cool as fuck. Sting was already cool. (laughs) Sting became cool as fuck. Yeah, he became cool as fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Which which is a uh, demeanor uh, that he that Sting kept even unto now when in his yeah, career. Yeah, absolutely. Would, uh, I'd like to just think that that Sting was like, "What if I dressed in all black, came down from the rafters, and killed people?" Yeah. <laughs> that's a great idea. Like, what will you use? Black baseball bat. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Like, you know how many throws fireballs? How many times I hit Scott Hall with a black baseball bat and WCW and WO Revenge? Wait, did, was he the one that threw the fireball? Yeah. Oh, I mean, a billion people did fireballs. I, I meant, like, Preston Society X. The, the fireball that just exploded everywhere. And, like, the first episode. Oh, the Sting. That was a... Uh, I couldn't remember who it was then. It was that it evil character. Anyways, uh, are we going to talk about dr- uh, drinking? Uh, yeah. Um, like, uh, Sean, uh, Scott Hall's, you know, pretty much throughout his entire career... Um, dealt with you know numerous addictions problems most notably alcohol, um, but he he you know as a rest as a wrestler in the eighties he certainly did his fair share of drugs. Of course, I mean it was the eighties. If I were there, I probably would have. You know, one one of the other things is that alcoholism is kind of a big thing in in wrestling because not a lot of places are open late at night after a match, but bars are. Yeah, and it sort of it sort of becomes especially back in the eighties. It becomes sort of a requirement. Like, if Ric Flair says, "Are you going to go have drinks with me?" You don't say no. Yeah. You know, it, it's one of those things that, like, if the big, uh, if, if like Ric Flair, Ric Flair is the re- is the reason that John Cena started drinking. Yeah. Like, if if Scott Hall had said, "Hey, hey, Chico, we gonna go get some bo- some some brews after this?" Like, yeah, I'm gonna go. Like, I, it, it's it's one of those things that it. Mm-hmm. it Became We're also on the road a lot, even beyond yeah. like yeah. every like everything. Like it is is a recipe. Not to mention you're dealing. That. Not to mention you're dealing with a lot of constant injuries. Yeah. Um. Because yeah. like within the WWF WCW system, these guys are wrestling base 
there's there's what you see on TV, but it's they, they don't just wrestle two times a week. Yeah, they do live shows every freaking day. Uh, and so even you, beyond that, the training. Yeah, yeah. So these these guys are getting banged up in ways you wouldn't believe, and having to go out and perform. So a lot of them self medicate with alcohol. Yeah, and so it's very common in in the industry. But uh, segue, segue, segue. He gets better. Yeah, um, he got better. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> it got it got really bad uh, up until like uh, 2013. Uh, which was when uh, you know WCW alumnus Diamond Dallas Page uh, invited Hall to live in his home and stay sober and kind of rebuild himself um, from the ground up. Um, this was you know basically how you know he was basically one of the first people that DDP Yoga ever saved. He actually this was after uh, uh, Jake the Snake. Yeah. He had Jake come live with us. I, I said one of the first, oh, not, not okay. the very first. Sorry. Um, yeah, and 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 Jake Jake was really instrumental in it as well because one, he had to be the first, he had to be successful, and then two, he was like, "Nah, brother, come come hang out with us." Yeah. Um, and the more I learn about DDP, the more I'm like, man, like he was he was actually like one of my favorite uh, WCW wrestlers. DDP is amazing, and we could do an entire episode on him. Yeah, but like I, I remember, like but that was it. Like, once again, I was hardcore WWF, but when my brother wanted to watch it, DDP was always somebody I he was, was rooted WCW for. WCW mm-hmm. all the way. Yeah, um, but like to this day, if somebody throws their hands up and it's a little bit too diamond down, I'm always just like, I'm like, that's a diamond cutter. Pat will tell you, like, anytime I see something, I'm like, that motherfucker's using a diamond cutter. And Pat, Pat's usually the one that's like, ah, oh, it's a little, like, the thumbs are. I'm like, that's a diamond cutter. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> when we watched Black Adam, I'm like, they're, they're throwing up diamond cutters. They're trying we're, to we're, do, they're doing, we're like, playing, the uh, you when you're like, diamond cutter. I was yeah. like, uh, we're, we're playing Double Dragon, uh, tr- Triangle, the Triangle Gang. Oh, yeah, uh, diamond cutter. They're, yep. they're doing the diamond cutter. I'm like, it's, it's what I see, man. Um, Self five five. Yes, yeah, so, but sadly we got to round this out in uh, March 2022. Uh, Hall was hospitalized after falling and breaking his hip. Um, he was then placed on uh, life support where he suffered three heart attacks. Um, uh, due brought about due, due to a blood clot, and uh, then uh, a day later he was taken off life support and passed away. And that that brings me back to my you know they deserve retirement they yeah. they don't deserve to go out this way but it's it's one of those things that's just it's common yep Jesus Christ like that it, that does feel like a like a universal like shitty universal like irony yeah. that it all starts with like a hip break yeah yeah I mean you know you get up there in age even then like what, I mean what I mean age was he when he passed uh, uh, sixty three yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he was he was sixty three. Sixty three. I mean, that's that's it's not uncommon for debilitating injuries to happen from falls at that age. But no, it was all. I mean, on the on the, on the on the good hand, he was a, he he was able to go through the process of getting sober and getting yes. his life back on for the the Scott that died was a was a much brighter outlook than you know probably two or three years prior. Yeah, I. I when I heard about it, I just I I was like I was like he couldn't I was like you couldn't give him that like you couldn't let him live a little bit longer. But at the same time, it's not for me to know. Yeah. Um, so you bring us up to this year. Um, uh, we'll start off with uh, uh you passed uh, this week. Um, Terrence uh, Terry Funk. Um, 
born. I may cry. Yeah. So just to let you know, uh, born June, fresh, June thirtieth, nineteen forty four. Uh, he uh, left us August twenty third, two thousand twenty three, at the age of seventy nine. Um, he was probably most noted uh, as being basically one of the godfathers of the hardcore wrestling style. Um, he would like inspire and mentor. Uh, many other wrestlers, mo- most notably uh, Mick Foley. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's when I think of Terry Funk, I, I think of him. You think of Chainsaw Charlie? Yeah, I, th- I think of him going after him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he made his uh, wrestling debut in 1965, uh, working for his father, uh, Dory Funk Senior's uh, promotion. Um, he then, we then later go to 20 years later, go to uh, WWF. In 1985, and where he had fused with uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, Junkyard Dog, uh, along sometimes alongside his brother uh, Dory Funk, Dory Funk Jr. Uh, I have to bring this up just because um, you brought up Dory Funk. So there is a movie that Sylvester Stallone did after um, after Rocky, mm-hmm. and he wanted to recapture that Rocky magic. He's like, "This is lightning in a bottle. We need another Rocky movie." But we don't have time to make another Rocky movie. They made uh, Paradise Alley, which is one of the first pro wrestling movies. And one of the funny things about it is I start watching this movie. I start watching the title crawl. And I'm like, all right. Uh, uh, Terry Funk's in the movie. Uh, Dory Funk Jr. I'm like, Dory Funk Jr.? God, is Dory in the movie? Dory Funk. The whole movie is basically the Funkers versus uh, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, it is not good, but <laughs> that is something that exists, and you should watch it. Uh, sorry, continue. Um, the uh, uh, going on to uh, 1989, he would then go I, to. I got one more for you. Okay. Because uh, this is in the same era, 1989, okay. NWA. Uh, Terry Funk. And I believe, I believe it's uh, uh, Harley Race had the honor of being the first two people and the only two people to ever have a wrestling match during the Philharmonic. <laughs> there is a, there is like a, a San Francisco Philharmonic uh, uh, concert where where Terry Funk and Harley Race get into this ring, and it's in this basement, and they're like. What do you want us to do? And they're like, oh, just start wrestling. And I'm like, okay. And they've got their match because they've been doing this match for the last 20 years. So, like, okay, all right, I'll do this. I'll Irish whip you, and then you'll go ahead and take a headbutt. And, and all of a sudden, the ring starts to go, and rise. <laughs> and they're like, what, what the fuck is happening? And, and, and the top opens up, and they come out, and they're in the orchestra pit. And as someone takes a bump, as they fall over or get like get like sub uh, suplexed, the the band's going, <laughs> and it is absolute chaos. <laughs> and it is the greatest thing ever. You should watch it. If only this had come out like uh, like post two thousand, where they could have been playing Duel of the Fates. <laughs> oh, I mean. <laughs> Like, wrestling hit its apex in the 80s. We will never get it as overblown as it was back then. Like, they did everything with with wrestling. It was 
phenomenal. But yeah, he also has the honor of being <laughs> one of the only wrestlers to ever be in a Philharmonic uh, match. Yes. Um, uh, moving on to uh, 1989, uh, where he would uh, enter WCW. Um, he would have a feud with Ric Flair. I'm, I'm, I bring that up uh, only because a notable part of the feud was when uh, Funk uh, used an actual plastic shopping bag to suffocate Flair on television. <laughs> I forgot about that. I had also forgotten about that, but uh, sounds 100% accurate. Yeah. Uh, see. Uh, and it's hard to say that the Rick, I know. I said this about uh, New Jack, but it's hard to say that Ric Flair didn't probably deserve it. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> like, Ric Flair knew what he got? No. It's, a lot can be said about Flair. Yeah, we might be doing one of these episodes on Flair in 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 a, in a few months or years. Oh man, he is not a young man. Um, let's see. Uh, after that, his career is you know, you know, a bunch of like special appearances of like basically basically deathmatch wrestling. Yes. Um, any anything that includes thumbtacks, uh, barbed wire, fire, um. Terry Funk would be a would be a part of. Uh, um, I do have a question, um, and if you don't have the information offhand, we can just move along. Uh, was he a part of the uh, the old like um, what are they called like the chain matches? Dog collar matches. Yeah, yeah, he was in yes. a dog collar match. Okay, this is a classic classic match. Uh, I don't remember who he had a dog collar match. He also did I see. A- I thought it was against Junkyard Dog, and so my brain has been on that since you guys mentioned it earlier. Uh, he had a heated rivalry with Junkyard Dog, which led to a match between Terry Funk and Hoss uh, Funk against the team of Tino Santana and Junkyard Dog at WrestleMania Two. Yeah. Okay. So no, you're not you're you're not uh, making that up in your head, but you might be misremembering certain parts. Yeah. Also, branding iron matches and. And uh, one of the greatest matches of all time. No, that's uh, that's Ted DiBiase, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was in a coal, uh, tuxedo steel cage coal miner's glove on a pole loser leaves town match. Yeah, which is um, my favorite gimmick match. Go ahead. Like like I said, uh, you know, most a lot of his career after that would be mostly death matches. One of the one of the two two of the of them that I I want to make mention of one because of the hilarious name of it. Um, and that is uh, August 20th, 1995. Uh, IWA Japan held a King of the Deathmatch tournament. Yep. Uh, where uh, in the final match of the tournament, he lost to Mick Foley, uh, wrestling under the moniker nice. of Cactus Jack, in an exploding ring C4 explosive barbed wire match. <laughs> no ropes, barbed wire, exploding barbed wire boards, and exploding ring time bomb deathmatch. Yes. Yeah, the, the uh, uh, historical... Uh, a scientific name for it, uh, uh, and then uh, net, uh, after that, uh, probably one of the biggest thing, the, one of the biggest favors that he did uh, for ECW, he headlined their first pay per view, barely legal, in 1997, uh, where he won yeah. the ECW championship from Raven. Uh, I highly recommend the Yokohama King of the Deathmatch tournament that you just listed, mm-hmm. and that uh, ECW uh, match. One thousand percent. Yeah. And uh, then probably his last match of his career uh, was uh, in September two thousand six against Jerry the King Lawler in an Extreme Rules match uh, in Lawton, Oklahoma, to promote uh, Impact Zone Wrestling. Oh, I didn't know about that one. Yeah. Um. 
Did Jerry the King Lawler come out with his crown? Um, I would assume so. I mean, it, it's not really Jerry the King Lawler if he doesn't. That's true. Uh, he's also one of the few wrestlers uh, that also got to be inducted while alive into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Scott Hall, too. Yeah. But it's te- it tends to be typically that they get inducted posthumously, so there's there's also that. In the Well, there's, uh, a, there's a reason they get inducted posthumously, as uh, we're kind of discussing here. Yeah, yeah obviously. Or, or they'll get inducted and then five years later... You know they're they're gone. Like I'll, I'll say this, and and it's still don't get me wrong. Like seventy six. I mean that's seventy nine. Seventy nine. Like that is that man was made of tougher stuff. Yeah. T u f f e r. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, S t f. No. <laughs> uh, but he got to have comparatively for most wrestlers, he got to have a full life. Which I think is is fantastic. In, I mean, we don't know in, how much pain before. he was in for. 20 you know. years, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He always took the, everything like the, the, the These men were... They they were fucking made of, of old shoe leather. Yeah. Um, like, the most of the people that I'm, I'm listing, uh, very few of them look like prime athletic specimens. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of these are just kind of, you know, you know, your barrel-chested, barrel hirsute, you know, you know, men uh, of the type that we don't really make anymore. I mean, Terry Funk has the look of uh, of my buddy Earl uh, is down the street. Uh, <laughs> also, also uh, the, the picture you're, put, you're you're showing is a very that's a very uh, young Terry Funk. Oh yeah, uh, this is Terry Funk as I knew him. Oh yeah, yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah. with yeah, the, with the, the headband. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. That's yeah. what I think of in my head. Yeah, Funk University, I, I also, Terry Funk. I think of that. I don't know why, but I think of him in the Funk University shirt. Yokohama, Yokohama, he's got the wraps on, and for some reason he's got a chainsaw. I think he was fighting, like, super leather or something. Uh, fun fact, there are multiple uh, uh, leather face uh, wrestlers in Japan that are all based off of the uh, Texas t- Chainsaw Massacre, and they're all good guys. <laughs> they are fan favorites. It is the funniest thing in the world. I, I I literally was like blown into like a still like moment for a second there where I just I had to like just recompobulate like a full system <laughs> reboot. Yeah, Japanese wrestling's great. <laughs> uh, somebody that I don't think you put on here, but I don't think they're gonna make the list because of that the year. But um, uh, Hayabusa, I don't know. If yeah, he was, he wasn't gonna make my list because yeah. I've I've only I've ever seen a Hayabusa match. Uh, there's one ECW match, and there was a language barrier, so it's not very good. Yeah. It's a tag team of him and, uh, him and, I think it was, uh, Mr. Fuji, not Mr. Fuji, uh, um, anyways, it's, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I could do an entire episode on, uh, Hayabusa, but Terry Funk and, uh, uh, Mick Foley had a, uh, a dispute with, uh, Hayabusa and Terry Funk will forever have my favorite way of pronouncing Hayabusi, which is Hayabusi. <laughs> so I, I just thought of it. I was like, say it right, Hayabusi. No, I meant the real way. Hayabusi. Hayabusi, we're coming after you. Uh, see, and uh, one, one, one other bit that I, I would uh, I would feel remiss, uh, you know, if not talking about Terry Funk's, you know, filmography. <laughs> uh, probably the most, probably the his most well known uh, film was is the fact that he is the main 
main followed character in the uh, Beyond the Mat uh, documentary. Oh yeah. Um, like uh, you know, it mo- like the film kind of follows uh when he had his uh, knee replacement surgery. Um, uh, also he can be seen in such film classics as Over the Top and Roadhouse. Over the top is like the gayest, coolest movie of all time. Like, it is something that you have to sit there and be like, yo, man, it's about shirtless dudes in oil arm wrestling. Um, okay. They got big trucks. Uh, okay. Like, like, Steve, like, Sylvester Stallone, just like, he's all oiled up in his big rig. It's great. Um, like, is this a real is this a movie that I watch on TV it's completely family friendly <laughs> oh uh, w- Roadhouse is not no Roadhouse no, 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 Roadhouse you know actually he rips out a man's throat <laughs> yeah no Roadhouse. in self defense <laughs> he was he, one with he, his rights he, to defend he, he ripped out a man's throat in self defense and got off for it uh, his lawyer convinced a jury of his peers that the only suitable way to get him out of danger was to rip, rip a, a man's, man's throat, throat out with his bare hands. And 12 people on a jury of his peers were like, yeah, that, that was clearly the only means of, of escape that he had in that situation. Uh, I just pulled this up. And then he did it again. <laughs> I just pulled this up. You didn't tell me he was in Quantum Leap, Quantum Leap and Swamp Thing. I mean, yeah, those are well, those are the those are TV credits. Uh, yeah, like I'm like, uh, yeah, but I love the Swamp Thing TV movie. Uh, oh yeah, uh, he was also in Thunder in Paradise, which is one of my favorite th- favorite uh, guilty pleasures. All it is is Hulk Hogan on a boat. Yep, the whole Hogan on a speedboat. <laughs> Hulk Hogan on a speedboat. Like, and that other dude, every now and then he hit a guy. Every now, <laughs> it's just duh, 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 duh. it's like um man in the in, there was a time period where people would literally watch the Hulkster do. Any fucking thing. Oh god. Just any goddamn thing. Like like there there are people like you talking about like voice actors like Keith David or something like that. You're like, oh I can listen to that man read a phone book. But uh, and like usually there's a little bit of hyperbole to that, but clearly the eighties were like, no no, we'll watch Hulk Hogan do anything. I mean I'm I mean I'm just I'm I mean I'm just sad that you know like that uh Hulk Hogan's not gonna be in in, uh, Expendables four. Well he uh, definitely made those type of movies. uh, Well to be fair, uh, old Terry has uh, gotten himself in some hot water because so has most of the cast of Expendables Four. Yeah, yeah, but Terry's done some pretty heinous shit. Yeah, and, so and also, cast, and also, no. and also, let's not forget that Terry made me have to know the knowledge oh, that Terry on. does not have a nine-inch penis. Hulk Hogan has a nine-inch penis. <laughs> like I didn't need to know that. That didn't need to be said in a, in a court. Like there was a woman who was paid to take the notes there. She had uh, she had to type that out in the in that weird stenographer language. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, and uh, and I I don't know what they thought as they were typing those le- those things, but I'm certainly wasn't. I'm sure glad I came to work today. Yep. <laughs> like that that should be like listed in like you know. Like the uh, in like you you know those those DK uh, published superhero compendium books yeah that should be one of, listed under the powers and abilities of the Hulk. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I thought you were for some reason I thought you were going a different direction. You're like that should be somewhere in the Library of Congress. <laughs> oh, that too. Um, but what can I say about Terry Funk other than I stand by his slogan from now on until forever. 
Dusty Rhodes sucks eggs. <laughs> yep. Um, also, uh, in uh, in 2023, um, I almost almost missed this one. Um, Hassan Khosro Ali Vaziri, also known as the Iron Sheik. Oh. Oh, I didn't know. When, when, yeah. when did that happen? Uh, uh, June seventh. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know the Iron Sheik had passed. Yeah. yeah. Um, Holy shit. You know, born uh, March fifteenth, nineteen forty two. He was eighty one years old. Um, this is this is just a a, a weird thing about me. Um, I don't because uh, I stopped using it a couple of years ago, so I I, I don't really pay attention to uh, X, formerly Twitter. Oh, uh, I followed uh, the Iron, Iron Sheik because everything he said on Twitter was Angers. beautiful. Gold, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, ev- like, like every every time he tweeted something, um, it was always the greatest thing I'd seen that day. And uh, sometimes I would just like save up a log. Like I would just like I wouldn't go on for a while to then like just go right to his page and then just read to like, to get me caught up on everything that he'd been going through and was just posting about uh, in all caps. Um, and half of it uh, was just nonsense, but always great to read. Um, that's actually what I know him from the, more than all, more than the wrestling. Truly, is yeah. like Let's see, uh, I'm the legend. <laughs> I always be the legend. Uh, never give up, or you are big time jabroni. Big time jabroni. He says that a lot. Uh, let's see. Every hundred years, mother make baby like Iron Sheik, Michael Jordan, and the Jesus. <laughs> Only one chance to prove you are the real in a lifetime. See, uh, and like you could, you could, we could, we could do a whole podcast just reading these, and they're great. Um, and you would feel motivated, and you would feel strong enough to go out and d- and take on like capitalism with one fist, and like uh, all of the wrongs of the world with the other, and uh, and you would be able to do it yep. um, just based off of the things that Iron Sheik tells you alone. I got one more because it's great. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. And if you're thinking about your own like personal demons or things that are coming up, like the next election, it's okay. If I see the dot dot dot. Hulk Hogan or the Donald Trump, I break their back. Make them humble. <laughs> Make them humble. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh. So, Iron Sheik would uh would wrestle in the WWF from 1979 to 1987. Um. Probably one of his 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 first noteworthy accomplishment would be in 1983, where he challenged then champion uh, Bob Backlund. Uh, and defeated him uh, for the WWF Championship, um, you know, solidifying him as a forever heel. Yes, I mean the man was also built like a barrel. Yeah. Yes. Like when people talk about barrel chested, like this is like Iron Sheik is one of the prime examples because I literally think that like the man was built like a classic wooden barrel. Yeah. That, there's a one of his old gimmicks was he would take these big wooden sticks. It's like a it's like a, a Middle Eastern uh, training regiment for for pro wrestling. Yeah. And they're these huge big wooden sticks kind of look like two oversized bowling pins and he would do this motion with them and that was how he would get his grip strength and everything and he would do these motions where he would move them around him and not hit himself with them and they're very mesmerizing and very like uh, 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 very foreign looking and very like mystical uh, um, and the dude had 
the body of someone that had actual strength and not glimmer muscles. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You you don't because also he was he was from an era where you know. Uh, if you were a pro wrestler, you had to be able to fight. You had to be able to fight because uh, guys would come up to bo- come up to you in bars and you know start want, shit with you. Want, want to see if you were really about that life? Yeah, the, and if you got your ass kicked, you got fired. I believe the term "hooker" was coined for Luthez because of what I said earlier. You throw that mean right hook. Uh, and knock a guy out in the middle of the match if he decides he goes, oh, no, I'm going to be NWA champion, or no, yeah. I'm going to be this champion. A lot of times these guys get these belts because not only do they, are, are they, like, you know, nice to everybody in the company and they're, they're a great representative, sometimes they get the belt because they're the biggest guy in the company and no one can knock him out. Yeah. Um, but he would he, uh, he would hold the, uh, the, the championship for four weeks, or he would then drop the belt to uh, Hulk Hogan. Yep. Um, let's see, uh, he, after that, would go to uh, WCW uh, for just a year, uh, where he had a short feud with Sting, uh, and he would then return uh, to WWF in 1991 to 92, probably for his, one of his more well-known feuds. Uh, this is where he would team up uh, with uh, form, his former enemy, Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, that's what I was waiting uh, for. Oh, yeah, that was the shit I was all about. Uh, where them alongside uh, Colonel Mustafa, pl- they would play uh, two Iraqis and an Iraqi sympathizer during the first uh, Gulf War. Which, um, if you ask, if if you ask Sergeant Slaughter, one thousand percent, he's like, I should have never done that. I should have <laughs> never done that. Everybody looked at me like I was. Not only did did they look at me like I was a traitor, I felt like a traitor. Like, <laughs> but it was so powerful. Oh like, yeah, yeah. turn. Like you had the guy who was spitting red, white, and blue. Just go, nah, man. Let's let's let's, let's go over to Fidel Castro real quick, like, or or uh, um, Saddam Hussein. Let's let's go. I believe the quote is uh, uh, Saddam Hussein. I I can't remember the quote because the booze go all the <laughs> over. Yeah. But as soon as it's, Saddam Hussein, I remember. <laughs> um, that that is honestly to me what I remember the Iron Sheik for was. He made my G.I. Joe character into a bad guy. Yep. That's 1,000% what baby Corey remembers. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think I think it was um, last thing he did in the ring was probably uh, 2001. He was in the in the Battle Royale for WrestleMania 17. Uh, the gimmick Battle Royal? Yes. Oh, God. That... If, if you don't watch any match that we're recommending to you, watch the gimmick Battle Royal. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, which he did win that. Yep. Um, he, uh, he, would then, he would then wrestle for various independent promotions up until the age of 60. And, uh, you know, he got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in the class of 2005 by his uh, old rival, Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. You mean best buddy? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Essentially. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're not wrong, but... Yeah. Um, um. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I, I, I didn't know if you had anything else to talk about with Sheik. Uh, just the fact that he's uh, also legendary for things that he's he has done and said out of the ring. He's never minced his words. Um, his interviews are absolutely solid gold. Um, yeah. He does not. He not only does he give no fucks, but he knows that he gives no fucks, and he's also speaking to you in his third language, so he doesn't care how. Like, 
just the pure confidence that he had in himself was something that I would watch. I'd be like, wow, Iron Sheik is crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And even even in himself. Even at the age of 60, I ain't taking a shot in. (laughs) He was was 1,000% like... Of his opinion, and one of my favorites is the fact that he just did not get along with Hulk Hogan, even to the point that it, it turned into real life like vitriol between. Them. Oh, trust me, I, I like I said I was on Twitter like during the days of like Hulk Hogan versus uh, Gawker, and uh, and Iron Sheik sitting there commenting all the time. Like that shit was beautiful. I mean, part of um, part of it was. Also I also part of don't like, ever believe that uh, Iron Sheik was part of any type of kayfabe. I think he just came out there and just did whatever the fuck he wanted to do. <laughs> and uh, you can't convince me that creative came to him and offered him any ideas that he was accepting or not accepting. He just he he was a, a sleeper agent for uh, Saddam Hussein the entire time. No, I just think he was just. <laughs> I just think that's what. I he, think he just did shit. I think he just did shit. He just said what he wanted to say. He just ri- he he he. They weren't storylines around him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he listened to the crowd like, all right, I know how to get a reaction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then the other thing that just I would a, say, like of all like of all the people here, maybe other than like Scott Hall, this is like the guy that I think of that works the crowd. Yeah, um, while being just like the best consummate performer, and also just knew when to get out. Yeah, yeah. He also um, there's there's some videos that have like surfaced recently of like. Uh, flubs from when they were filming like interviews and stuff with me and Gene and like it's a little bit of a behind the behind the curtain kind of video and there's one with him saying all this stuff and naming all of these people that are that are uh, uh, in the in the locker room and like in production and he's speaking in I don't remember what language it is he speaks but he was speaking in his native tongue and like naming all the people and they're just all coming in. He's like, he's like, and then my friend from, from the hairdress, the hair desk, the, the person that does hair is like walking around and stuff. And he's just, he's t- doing this like bit and uh, he seemed to get along with everybody. Like people seemed to like him. So Hulk Hogan wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, rounding out, uh, this, uh, this, this, you know, tribute. Um, the youngest. Yeah, the uh, e- easily youngest uh, person that we're talking about. Um, uh, real name uh, Wyndham Lawrence Rotunda. Um, he uh, is most notably, uh, probably most well known uh, for wrestling under the name Bray Wyatt. Oh, I thought it was Husky Harris. Uh, he debuted <laughs> as Husky Harris. Um, like uh, he. Yeah, he he passed. Um, like we're, he passed three days three days ago as of this recording. Um, like uh, he was born uh, May twenty third, nineteen eighty seven. He passed uh, August twenty fourth, two thousand twenty three. Uh, he's uh, a year younger than me. Yeah, yep. he was uh, thirty six. Uh, which isn't that terrifying? Yes, that yeah. that, that has been terrifying. I'd like to say this before we go into this. And because I had said the thing about about uh, Husky Harris, um, Bray Wyatt should have been the new Undertaker. Yes, Bray Wyatt should have been. I the mean, new he Undertaker. was he was he was he was up to be on his way. Yeah, he was he was well on his way. And to be honest, that should have happened over a decade ago, not up until recently, not up until two years ago. That should have been the way it was, and. I, I feel like a lot of what they did to Bray Wyatt, we would have seen a better career if he had been allowed to get a W every now and then. 
Like, I, I, that is something that I wanted to say before we start this, because I'm like, I have mad respect for Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Especially after seeing so much change and so much that he's done with his career and everything, and for it to be, ta- the rug to be taken out from under him like that is disgusting. So, um, Bray Wyatt, uh, you know, he made his WWE debut, not his wrestling debut, but his uh, WWE debut on June 1st, 2010, uh, where he was a competitor in the second season of WWE NXT. Um, uh, He debuted under the name Husky Harris with Cody Rose as his superstar mentor. Right. Um, Needless to say... uh, the fans did not respond well to Husky. Well, I think the um, problem was, do you remember who was in that class? Uh, who? Loki. Yeah. That was yeah. the one where everyone wanted Loki to win and everyone wanted Loki to be on WWE. But I, I but I, I knew Loki wasn't going to wasn't going to he wasn't going to be the the guy. He Loki from that season, he was a indie darling and typically WWE creative does like not it. like that. You do, they do not like when you are able to uh, build fame for yourself outside of the WWE system. I honestly feel like um, the crowd swerved the booking on that one because I honestly think they expected them to be more engaged for... Was it Kurt Hawkins? Who was who was all in that class? Either way, Husky Harris. For everyone to be like, no, we want IRS's son, Husky Harris. We want yeah. him to be the, the guy. And everybody went, no, we know what Loki can do. We want to see him in WrestleMania. That sounds cool. We'd really like that. What about, like, like this guy right here? No, no, we want that guy. And and one of the things about that early uh, uh, NXT, you kind of didn't get a lot from it. No. Uh, and so y- you got to be... Uh, uh, you got to be the king of the bathroom break match while everybody goes and gets their popcorn and everything. And then you usually just got kind of forgotten after that. Uh, unless you won it and you were Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Bryan didn't win his, so I don't know. Um, but either either way, so he, you know, let he kind of, he, he didn't get released, but he stepped back. Uh, to the development studio, uh, development center, uh, where he worked on his character, worked on his ring work. Uh, he would then reinvent himself as uh, Bray Wyatt, uh, where he uh, introduced himself uh, in 2012. Um, this was he debuted as the leader of the Wyatt family. Um, you know, changed up his whole look, his whole demeanor. Um, this is where we got to see more of his uh, mic skills as he kind of rebranded himself as this kind of like Southern Gothic, you know, cult leader uh, type. Yeah. Uh, this He brought in uh, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan as his first and second son of the Wyatt family. Um, he based the character a lot off of the film uh, Cape Fear. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, and this, this was... The uh, version of Bray that most people responded to. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he definitely made his fame here. Um, like, uh, you know, this is where he did started doing, like, the, the, the spider walk and all that. Yes. Um, yeah, he, he uh, started doing the uh, Sister Abigail, which is still, to this day, one of my favorite finishers. Yes. Um, 
like I I was I was well out of wrestling by this point and um but like I kept hearing like whispers of Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family stuff because like that was like obviously like there was a lot of like the big superstars that like were the people I really liked but also like I always had a thing for the like uh, for the Stings, the Undertakers, the Canes, yeah. the he, he, he was, even Gangrel in his fucking oh, game yeah. well, when well, I was a kid. Bray was one of the few people that actually had a character. Yes, um, like like he wasn't he wasn't just you know a cocky version of his regular self. Yes, uh, this was this was a character with a backstory with you know with with a with a demeanor and a personality that was completely separate from his. From inane incessant ramblings, we got a. A literal plot that has spanned over a decade, yeah, involving characters Sister Abigail, uh, some puppets. Yep. Uh, there's a old Cause, oh, because I'm, I'm about to get into that. Oh yeah. But yeah, I just yeah. want to say that, like, even me, like, this was one of the things that I was like, okay, that actually sounds interesting, but I never, but it was never brought to pull me back in because nothing ever comes of it. Yes, that's the problem. That, that's, that's that is due to the the way WWE booking him, not really knowing what to do with their character. I, I will say this um, since we're talking about that booking. I just thought it was cool as shit, but just yeah. And then I, I think I'd ask Corey every once in a while, like, "Hey, what?" Because I remember a few times I've asked you, like, "Hey, what? Uh, anything ever happened with Bray Wyatt?" And you're like, "Oh no," because <laughs> no, they wouldn't let him win anything. Yeah. Um, I'll say this real quick story, and I'll let y'all finish up with everything else. Because um, uh, I know I, I tend to tend to steamroll and tend to take us off into tangent land. WrestleMania 30, I was there. I saw Bray Wyatt versus John Cena follow the buzzards, and every single person in that arena was ready for John Cena to follow the fucking buzzards. All he had to do was... I'm not familiar with that term, so follow, the audience might it not is, be. It is not a pro wrestling term. Okay. From, the, from their rivalry, Bray Wyatt was telling John Cena, you're going to follow the buzzards and, and join me. You're going to be part of the Wyatt family. Ah, okay. And all he had to do was follow the buzzards. And at that arena, there's a scene that you can't see because they edited it because live TV, they can they can move over to somewhere else. There's a point where John Cena's on his knees and Bray Wyatt is over him and he's kind of like doing the buzzard thing. And all of camera side, the whole arena was doing the buzzards. That man deserved the win that damn night. Yeah. That man deserved to win that night. Undertaker didn't deserve to lose to uh, Brock Lesnar. Well, there's a whole uh, lot more behind all uh, that. Uh, Daniel Bryan didn't deserve to to have his uh, arm thrown out of socket right as he became the champion. I was robbed. Yeah. All right. Uh, but basically, the a lot of a lot of the bra- a lot of the brave was you know build up to shitty payoff. Yes. Uh, culminating to uh, a feud he had with Randy Orton. Where Randy Orton effectively killed Bray Wyatt. Yes, uh, he burned down the Wyatt compound uh, with Bray in it. Um, this would and Bray would be gone from TV until uh, 2019, uh, where he. When was the the Randy Orton stuff? Uh, see, because that was after WrestleMania 30, which so 2014, 2015. I don't think it was that far back. Uh, because his, his match with Undertaker that was like 2014, uh, maybe 2016. 2016, um, okay. Because, uh, yeah, WrestleMania tw- WrestleMania 31 was a uh, Wyatt's match with uh, Taker. Okay. Um, 
don't don't look it up. It's a not a it's not a good match. Taker is old and broken. Yeah, that that was yeah. Um, this and this is after the streak was broken and all that. Yeah. Um, let's see, but in 2019, he would introduce the Firefly Funhouse, uh, where uh, they, which was this children's show, a la you know Pee Wee's Playhouse, if like you know Stephen King wrote it. So Pee Wee's Playhouse. Sure. <laughs> uh, it had you know several dark undertone, undertones, which would foreshadow the emergence of the fiend. Uh, another, you know, entity. Uh, re, uh, entity reinvention evolution of the Bray Wyatt character as this, you know, evil demonic, you know, clown that clawed its way out of Bray. And you want to talk about writing? Like every facet of the Firefly Funhouse is expertly crafted based off of the, in, in one of the shortest careers ever. Yep. Of taking this character, and one of the things that we liked about it so much, I think, is not only was it well done, not only was it done with 100%, like, you know, Bray puts this all into everything with, with the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah. It also was just so, it was like The Rock. I mean, it was like, it was like Stone Cold. It was like when somebody said, yeah, you remember these things I did where I was really dumb looking and stupid? Well... I'm going to get away from that because I'm going to own all that stupid stuff that I did, that comedy stuff, and mold it into who I am now. Yep. Like, you got to see him go from being a child to being an adult. It's funny you should bring up, you know, Rock and Stone Cold, because uh, that would culminate uh, in uh, 2022 uh, on the a November episode of SmackDown with L.A. Knight. Yep. Uh, where... He debuted the you know family friend friendly version of Bray with the red with the red sweater. Oh God! I don't know what this is, but uh, it's just Mister Rogers. Yeah, it's just Mister Rogers. It's great. He, he, this Bray was the host of the Firefly Funhouse, <laughs> um, and uh, you know which would like lead us into during the pandemic. Uh, Bray was in a feud with uh, John Cena. Had. Probably one of my favorite matches in wrestling history, which was the Firefly Funhouse match. Yes. Um, and it's a match that cannot be done outside of the pandemic. Because it had to be, because it was in, in an empty arena. So, and, you know, because it was all pre-recorded, because it was done at Full Sail uh, University anyway. Yep. Uh, they went whole hog in making it a storytelling match. Uh, where, you know, it was, it was... You know, Cena being taken through wrestling history, all the elements that of wrestling history from NWO and Hulk Hogan, you know, and Vince McMahon having to scramble to make the next main guy, culminating to you know John Cena, and it you know was this it was less imagine was pretty much just a a mini film. That you probably can't do anymore. Um, and that sounds which, really interesting, actually. Uh, oh yeah, we'll, we'll watch it. Like I'll, oh, yeah. I'll put it on after this. It, it's it, definitely worth a watch. Yeah, the 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 Firefly Funhouse match. If anyone hasn't seen it, I encourage you to uh, just just watching that match alone, um, and just keep in mind that why it was the 
what Bray was the driving force behind that. Yeah, he was writing that storyline with those characters, um, and uh, you know, just had to make this you know deep and rich character that just creative didn't know what to do with. Yep. Um, the fans were into it, uh, and sadly, the only thing <laughs> that um, that they could think to do was to put the title on the fiend, which like. <laughs> Why does the demonic clown give a fuck about, <laughs> about the championship? championship. <laughs> oh, it was wild. I, they gave the end of the belt for like a whole year. Like, like, he, would, he, would, he, would, he would come out with the belt worn around his neck because it was a literal fucking albatross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think uh, that was the last time that I asked Corey about what it, what was up. And because I had heard that that had happened and... I, I believe you. What, what you had said to me at the time was something like, "Oh, I, oh, oh I don't have time." Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Um, he also he also made his own belt, uh, which is absolutely horrifying. Yeah, it's 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 like kind of a stretched fiend mask overlay on the belt, so it looks like it's it looks like it's it looks like it's made out of face skin. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, my absolute favorite entrance for any dark style character, like any ministry uh, style character, where they're where they're coming out with like smoke and fog and stuff. The fiend uh, for his first few entrances, he came out with his lantern like Bray Wyatt. Like, yeah. And. When he came out for his first time, I was looking, I was like, that's a weird looking lantern. Oh, that's kind of weird. He puts it on the ring. They finally zoom in on it. It's an entire double of Bray Wyatt's wax head. Yes. Yeah, with the lantern. the lantern inside of it. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I remember that. And that was one of the other things that I was like, man, that sounds like really fun and interesting. That sounds Uh-oh. that sounds so far uh, removed oops. from what you've been hearing about wrestling. I was and like, my response was? Oh no, man! No, 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 nothing's coming no, of it. No, nothing comes. Nothing, nothing comes of it. Yeah. Don't pay. No. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and that, and I think that's the thing that makes his loss even more like because because the, they're also it. setting up for his return to WWE um, when he was when he was you know unexpectedly uh, unexpectedly passed. Um, people were ready for him to cast lightning bolts at people like four years ago. Yeah. Like. We we were people were ready. They were like, okay, give me the full on uh, yeah, Yokozuna I, versus Undertaker. Like, give me the greatest matches you could ever possibly make of this doc character. Because like within the world of pro wrestling, this was a this was a sad fat man who became a dark religious leader with quasi supernatural maybe powers, but was more just like you know somebody to like talk to you Joker style and just convince you to be one of them. To fuck the pretense, uh, this de- de- this demonic clown bug man clawed its way out of the out of the preacher and actually has powers to throw fireballs and you know drive people crazy. That sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. Like to, it, it bringing the it, the Joker comparison. It literally had a he literally had a Harley Quinn. Yep, uh, Alexa Bliss became Sister Abigail, right? Yeah, like, I'm not crazy. That, that's what they called her. Am I crazy? No, yeah. I mean, they, she was just still called Alexa Bliss, yeah. but she was she was she was basically the uh, the crazy, you know, psychotic, you know, girl to play off of him. Uh, for lack of a better term, she was the fifth man. <laughs> um, she she literally was like uh, uh, 
the link that completed everything. And to Alexa Bliss's credit, uh, she went whole hog on that. Yeah. Well, uh, people have interviewed her. She's like, she's like, oh, as soon as they asked me if I wanted to do that, I was ready. I was. <laughs> Which sad thing was like they re- they released Bray, but kept, kept Alexa, Alexa. But her character doesn't make sense without the fiend. Yeah. It was something without, without the also, fiend. She's just a crazy bitch. She also was like really. Uh, um, she she had a lot of. Uh, um, criticism about that afterwards like she was really like hey y'all shouldn't have done that no. like why did y'all get rid of him they he was on a roll that's one reason why the steam got blown out as well because what happened in 2020 is wwe like i said was hemorrhaging talent everything got closed they didn't have to go anywhere they didn't have to worry about someone competing in another another business so you know what they let everybody go and when I say they let everybody go, they pretty much kept yeah. John Cena. Yeah. I, I remember that. And that was it. Um, they And this was as Cena was starting to age out and get moved to a more part-time schedule. There, If you look up the releasings from 2020 and 2021, because usually WWE well, does a rash of releases. Also by 2020, Cena was also like really hitting his movie star stride. Yeah. Yes. And so, so these people ended up with a, they have like a six month no complete cause. Yeah, uh, I, I think clause no complete. No, yeah, com- six no month no compete clause. clause. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so, even I don't know if that's still the case. It might be. It might be even longer. Um, they probably had to make it longer now because of because um, what happened is at the end of the year, everybody was like, oh well, well it's okay. They're all going to be back, and I was like, no, they're going to go to to AEW or go to TNA or they're going to go to Ring of Honor or they're going to go to New Japan and boom, everybody just split. As a real quick aside, I do want to note that like one of the things I'd seen uh, when I'd seen people like online talking about this was people who are having to be like, hey, uh, I know that, you know, the Bray Wyatt character is very like fourth wall breaky and so, you know, like there's a lot of that behind like the writing well, stuff. He, he, beca- he became fourth wall breaking when they got to the like the Mr. Rogers segment. Well, I was gonna say, yeah. but like I saw a lot of people who were like, "Hey, he's kind of fourth wall." He's he's gone. This isn't a, this isn't a jo- this isn't a joke or a thing they're playing for WWF of like, oh, he's passed. But it, like, he, no, yeah, 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 like, he's gone. Yeah. yeah, there was there was like I, I I was like that was really throwing me off. Uh, now I understand uh, why people had to be like, hey. Take this seriously. Yeah. Like, nobody thinks WWF is trying to, like, develop a new storyline. Except for that time when uh, Vince McMahon died. Yes, but that was a... (laughs) a There's a lot of things WWE has done before they will never do again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, know, Triple H inside of a funeral home. (laughs) Yeah. Just to just just let that... If you know, you know. know. I can't quote any of the Katie Vick stuff. I'm sorry. (laughs) I can't do it. Or anybody coming in for a superhero landing. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, uh. See, but I think I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up there. This is, uh, you know, it, if you ever get a chance, if any, if any of you have, like, you know, WWE uh, subscriptions or just, you know, type in any of these names on YouTube to see some of these guys' old work, uh, I highly encourage it. Um like yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think any, I don't think anyone we named we would consider in any way bad. Uh, maybe uh, New Jack. Maybe maybe New Jack. Maybe New Jack. Like I wouldn't say bad as a not entertaining to watch. I'd just say like type in New Jack, but just keep in mind the era when it came out. 
Um, like, keep in mind, this was an era, an era when uh, ECW would just murder people for two hours and call that a pay per view. <laughs> and, and New Jack knew that the five greatest wrestlers of all time were New Jack, New Jack, New Jack, New Jack, and New Jack because he stabs with hot fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, uh, my recommendations would be uh, the King of the Deathmatch Tournament, uh, Terry Funk. Uh, I would recommend the Firefly Funhouse. Firefly Funhouse match. Uh, and something you didn't bring up, but one of his most recent matches uh, was an absolute banger. Um, and it's not a bad thing to go off of. Uh, the Mountain Dew Pitch black <laughs> Blackout match mm-hmm. was phenomenal. And it didn't deserve to be that good. <laughs> it came up in my research. I just never watched the match. You, oh, that is the one. To, it is my new type of favorite match. And they'll never do it again. Because Bray Wyatt was in it, and now we can't do it again because we'd be like, well, Bray Wyatt needs to be there for this. Like, yeah. no, Mountain Dew needs to be there for this. <laughs> uh, but or, or no, uh, and another recommendation would definitely be uh, Razor Ramon, uh, Shawn Michaels, oh, their, their oh, ladder match. Yeah, like, that's a recommendation for wrestling, period. Yeah. Like, you know. Uh, and then, other than that, I highly recommend that you get a nice cold one. Uh, you know, pour one out for the, for the homies. Pour one out for the homies. Reflect upon uh, what has happened, and just uh, you know, remember, wrestling isn't wrestling, uh, but it's definitely important. Yeah. Um, and you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the next if we ever do this again, it'll be for much higher number age groups. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's something that you were starting to see a trend with, though. Like you know, you. Got, your Pattersons and your Funks, so it's like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe we're starting to get to a point where we can get access to better healthcare. We can get back access to things that people need in order to retire legitimately and and fallback plans and things that these companies can do. And I'll, I'll no, say, Vince McMahon's dime. I'll say this: one of the biggest criticisms is, hey, WWE does all this, but AEW doesn't. AEW's gotten into water for it too. You know, there have been debilitating injuries happening on on TV. It is just part of this industry that there's not a lot for them to have once wrestling is over. And that's why they keep destroying their bodies and they keep going back to it because it's one of the only things that they can do. Yeah. And 1,000%, you know, any any type of uh, charities or anything, put some money in DDP yoga. Like, he, he's constantly grabbing these guys and being like, hey, we're going to get you better. And yeah. we're gonna get you better. It was it was DDP it was DDP yoga that raised the money for Sean, for uh, Scott Michaels. I combine their names. Scott Hall's uh, hip replacement surgery. Uh, and it was the it was also DDP yoga that got the money for uh, Jake the Snake uh, for his surgeries as well. Yep. So yeah, you know. So anyway, uh, this is Captain Corner Podcast. Uh, this is our you know tribute to wrestlers gone by. Um, uh, was me and my co-host Jared. Say bye, Jared. Uh, this is Eula Jared signing out. And uh, our, alongside our uh, wrestling correspondent uh, visiting us from uh, the uh, Big Battle Barracks with the Big Boys Play, uh, Corey. Say bye, Corey. This is the end of the Corey story. <laughs> that should be the title of your memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> the Corey story. No, the whole thing. This is the end of the, the Corey, Corey story. <laughs> But I've just broken out into like a new business venture and I'm like looking on to the future. Yeah. It's like, um, isn't this the beginning? <laughs> but, uh, yeah.
uh, we, you found us on uh, pretty much any place that podcasts are found. Uh, give us a like, give us a comment, give us a follow, um, and we will catch you next time. Peace. Peace.